The Start On Demand. On demand. Polling the unvaccinated. Why Canadians say they will not get a COVID vaccine. Flags remain at half-staff in Canada, but for how long? And what about Remembrance Day? Speaking of Remembrance Day, great story out of Calgary where old war medals were found in a donation bin and returned to a family in Winnipeg. We learned a lot today about Diwali, as millions of people around the world are celebrating today. Golf in November, Shooter's Golf Course staying open through the weekend. And we had a blast today talking about social media pet peeves. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back next week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. This is the Thursday, November 4th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And as Kayla was just saying, much warmer than usual. The normal high for this time of year, two degrees. Yes. We're looking for highs of nine degrees. We've got highs of 12 degrees, 13 degrees, 12 degrees, nine degrees. What is happening? You tell me. Actually, I don't care what's happening. Yeah. Just keep it coming. This is fantastic. Yesterday was actually an absolutely beautiful day as well. The The temperature didn't really get up there, but there was no wind. It was uh, really a nice day to, to spend a little time outside if you were working outside. It's that happy medium where, you know, you might start the day with a jacket on and you probably get down to a, a vest or just a heavy sweater. Just a wonderful stretch of weather on the horizon. Of course, the Blue Bombers play on Saturday night against the Alouette, so this will be absolutely, I mean, this would be good weather for early October for football, what we're expecting to see on Saturday, Brett. Well, and it helps ease the pain a little bit when it comes to November. I don't know how you feel about November, and I know that November has obviously a very important day, and that's Remembrance Day, but overall, mm-hmm. uh, November is my least favorite month of the year because it's kind of this sort of dead zone between Halloween and December. It's typically too cold to really go out and play, so to speak. Most of the leaves have fallen, so it's kind of ugly. And all of the fun decorative stuff that comes with October, you know, all the fall colors, they tend to disappear. Like all the the pumpkins and the nice fall displays I had outside my apartment buildings, for example, they've cleaned them out. So what was a lovely autumnal display (laughs) is now nothing. Sure. It's kind of like this lull. So... To see some nicer weather is it, it it sort of softens the blow of November, so to speak. Well, and I asked the question in October if the incredible October we had was sort of softening already the the idea of winter. And so obviously the longer we go without any accumulation of snow or major snow events, it just makes our winter season shorter. And so if we can get to the, you know, dare I suggest, uh, the end of November without any measurable snow events uh, just makes the idea of winter a little bit more palatable. What's the longest, the latest that you can remember? I, for me, I think it was December 15th. Yeah. And that would have been, I think it might have been 
late 90s or early aughts? Yeah, I want to say like like maybe the second or third week of December one year, but I was living away and so there might have been snow and then maybe it went away and I can remember being at my mom's in in Boisevane in the southwest corner of the province and no snow really at all at Christmas time, but only once do I really recall that. And and that year in particular was weird because I was working retail at the time and there was a noticeable effect... Sure. On the holiday shopping season when there was no snow on the ground. And sure enough, once it snowed, then the mad rush began. And like I said, it was December 15th. So it was a late, late shopping rush because if the snow isn't there for a lot of people, Christmas isn't there. Well, if all the warnings are to be believed in terms of shortages of consumer goods, do not wait for the first snowfall to be the indication to get your backside and gear to start getting your Christmas shopping done, because if you do that, you're, you you may be very disappointed in terms of what's available. Like I said, if the news reports and, and what we're hearing about the supply chain and those stories are, are in fact true, uh, get on it now. I, I know you're pretty organized on that stuff, though, Brett. Uh. <laughs> you're more organized than you, uh, than, than you realize. Well, I've started to think about it. I already have uh, a gift idea planned for my dad. For Beautiful. Smash Gordon. Good. But uh, I may have missed the boat for my sister. She likes Halloween stuff. She likes to decorate her yard with Halloween stuff. So I usually go pick up something from uh, Spirit of Halloween. I They might still be open, but I don't know. Hey, you know, somebody pointed this out on the social medias the other day. Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. You know, measuring the buoyancy of your economy uh, can be as simple sometimes as the number of spirit of Halloween stores (laughs) that are in place. And I know that in my corner of the city, you know, bounced around from the old Sears store at Kildonan Place. Well, that's no longer there. That's a brand new save on foods and the new movie theaters are, are just about ready to open there. And then there was the old across the street uh, the old H, uh, HSC, no, not HSC, HBC, yeah. Hudson Bay Company. They had home outfitters. So there was a spirit of Halloween there one year. And then there was another another one a few years back. I, I didn't see one in, in my corner of the city this uh, year. Uh, I think they were on Panit mm. by the Shapes. Well, there you go. I would have had to go and sort of look for it. Yeah, I think they've been there for two or three years now. I, I'm pretty sure I saw them there. I didn't actually get to the store this year. And I think they, then the same thing in St. James. They've bounced around all over the place. They've been, right. um, I can't remember, somewhere near Milt Stegall Drive. Mm. And then they would set up on, uh, there was a place on, actually on St. James. Oh, yeah. the old Staples. Near the oh, yeah. Hooters, right? Yeah. I, I mean, not that I know where Hooters is. <laughs> I've heard it's in that area. It's yeah, so somewhere. That's a, <laughs> yeah, over there somewhere in, in that uh, oh. part of the city. Yeah, so, why, why, why would we know that? Hey, they, great food there, by the way. <laughs> it just shows up on my Google map when I look for Spirit of Halloween. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I, I guess if you happen to know if Spirit of Halloween is still open, can you let us know so then I can maybe run out and have a peek? So, yes, I got to get organized for the shopping. I don't have a lot of shopping to do, but I would like to make sure that it, it's mostly wherever possible local stuff. I know the yes. third and bird market is coming up in uh, not in this weekend, but next Please tell, two weekends. Two please weekends. tell me it's in two weekends because I am determined to get there this year. I won't be around. Uh, I'll be around this weekend. Uh, but I won't be here next weekend. Yeah, I so. think it's the 19th to the 21st. Okay, I should be okay then.
13 degrees for a high, you just heard Kayla say. And on the subject of a brown Christmas, what does Rob say, Greg? Sorry, buddy. <laughs> According to our friend on Twitter, Rob Zov, Rob Paula, who we have on this uh, program from time to time, he said uh, the last brown Christmas officially in Winnipeg was in 1997, although parts of southern Manitoba may have had little to no snow on the ground in 2011 and 2014. Winnipeg had a, quote, meager snowpack. And then uh, other listeners saying, well, didn't we have, uh, like, wasn't it a late snowfall last year? Well, Trying to figure out when our here for the winter snowfall was last year because, of course, we did have a big dump of snow in the third week of October last year. That was just one year after the 30 centimeters we received on Thanksgiving weekend of 2019. So, uh, you know, lots of conversation around snow and when is it coming? How long will it be here? When will it stay? Uh, nothing to worry about in the foreseeable future, Brett. All right. So in the meantime, at the end of May... Prime Minister Justin Trudeau asked that flags at all federal buildings be flown at half-staff to honour more than 200 children whose remains were found buried at what was once Canada's largest Indigenous residential school in Kamloops, B.C. Those flags remain at half-staff on many flagpoles at various locations across the country. When is the right time to raise the flags lowered to commemorate Indigenous children who never came home from residential schools? The Prime Minister said on Tuesday that Canada was in discussions with Indigenous groups on raising the flag so that it can be again lowered in time for Remembrance Day. We continue uh, to work very closely uh, with partners, uh, with Indigenous peoples, with communities across the country. There is an understanding of how important it is to be able to lower the flags on Remembrance Day to mark uh, our veterans, to mark uh, people, in do, including Indigenous peoples, who've stepped up to fight for Canadian values and paid the ultimate sacrifice. I'm confident that the conversations with uh, Indigenous leadership on making sure we are able uh, to lower the flags once again on uh, November 11th um, will uh, come at the right solution. In one week, Canadians are set to mark Remembrance Day after a harrowing year and a half that has seen the sacrifices of Canadian soldiers repeatedly invoked as examples of courage and bravery to emulate as the country has struggled under the weight of the COVID-19 pandemic. While moments of silence, tolling bells and the last post are all but guaranteed as part of the commemorations, there remain questions over when and whether the Canadian flags currently flying at half-mast on federal buildings across the country should be raised in order to be lowered once more. Abigail Beeman is Global National's Ottawa correspondent. Tim Ohlone is Indigenous. He's a veteran, and he says his family was devastated by residential schools. He has unique insights into the complicated question of when to raise the flag. I don't have an answer, but my gut is telling me it's, it, it should not be now because, you know, for all we know, there could be a school found with 500 children tomorrow. While flags at federal buildings are still at half-mast, on Remembrance Day, the war memorial flag will be at the top of the flagpole, then lowered to honour those who served. Some legions have already hoisted their flags. 
As for after the ceremony... If they wish to then leave them lowered in remembrance of our First Nations friends after that period, that is up to them. Chief Cadmus DeLorme of the Cowessus First Nation, where 751 unmarked graves were found, supports raising and lowering the flag for veterans as long as it's then raised and lowered again in remembrance of unmarked graves. When we find uh, the need to, you know, figure out, you know, the end goal to raise that flag, that conversation will come when this country truly implements the truth and reconciliation calls to action. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole believes it's time to raise them. We have to put the flag back up so it can be brought down. To support both remembrance and reconciliation, I think it's important for the country to do both. O'Toole says he's spoken to many, including Indigenous veterans who support raising it. But the Native Women's Association of Canada says it's more divisive, even if the flag was raised only for Remembrance Day. It's not clear uh, that, you know, you can raise the flag on that day, then lower it without really uh, hurting someone on one side or the other. Difficult choices with Remembrance Day a week away. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. So while on the campaign trail in September, Trudeau said, I plan to keep those flags at half-mast until it is clear that Indigenous peoples are happy to raise them again, Brett. Lynn Grew, CEO of the Native Women's Association of Canada, says, Much of the difficulty lies in the reality that the Indigenous community is not a monolith. There are many different views and perspectives, and all of them are strongly held. Some people are saying, you know, raise it temporarily for the day, lower it back down again. And some are saying, no, that's going to be disrespectful and you have to do a ceremony in between. Mm-hmm. Some are saying, you know, lower it down. Now it's at half lower, down near to the ground, and then bring it back up only halfway. And that could satisfy both sides. I mean, I'm just hearing everything, all different kinds of, uh, you know, suggestions or solutions, but there's definitely not a consensus. So, you know, how do you honour both? We have 7,000 veterans, 7,000 Indigenous volunteers that, you know, fought in the wars for Canada. But we have thousands of children who lost their lives, who haven't been found. The families have been waiting for such a long time. for their, They have not been found yet. What do we do? The decision, Brett, is ultimately that of the Prime Minister. And that question there from Lynn Grew is the ultimate one to be answered over the next week. What do we do? Many people feeling as though the Prime Minister is sort of downloading this decision on Indigenous leaders when it is he who, in fact, needs to make that final decision. Some of the things that she was suggesting in there seemed like, to me, potentially reasonable compromises where you have a ceremony in between or even the idea that you lower the flag all the way before raising it back halfway. I like the sounds of both of those things in concert, you know, to bring this all together, to uh, bring us together as 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 a nation, as a group of indigenous cultures and nations. Uh, to to do that on Remembrance Day, I think would send a very powerful message to all Canadians, to all indigenous peoples, and uh, maybe even to the rest of the world on on our. Passion for reconciliation. Let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. And you can read more on this at globalnews.ca or just Google uh, Remembrance Day flags, Global News. You'll find all sorts of stuff to have a look at online. Today we want to discuss social media pet peeves. On Sunday... 
I posted a video of the snow that blew in around 1230. Wind was super calm, had the window open, and then out of nowhere, the wind started howling. I look outside, and the snow is shooting perfectly horizontal out of the northwest across through just past my window. So I took a quick video, and I posted the caption on Twitter, I do not like this. Well, our friend and colleague, Dan Vatabonker, he... F- <laughs> Whose phone was that? Bronner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling him out right now. <laughs> so our Sorry. friend and colleague, Dan Vatabonker, <laughs> fires back with, then move. Where do you think you've been living this whole time? Wow. So I said, oh. so I said, LOL, if you don't like it, then move. That's the fake news retort to weather complaints. You know, when someone doesn't like what you say, so they're like, oh, fake news, <laughs> fake news. So uh, I added, it's my birthright as a Winnipegger to complain about the first sight of snow. To which he replied, then it's my birthright to complain about the complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I say, I'd expect more creativity from a creative communications instructor. For shame. <laughs> And he says, says the guy who complains about the same thing every year. And we went on from there. I said, wow, you're bringing the heat. What's next? I know you are, but what am I? And he said, I guess I'm just snarky today. And I said, maybe you're grumpy because it's snowed. Anyway, the point is that raised two pet peeves in one shot. His pet peeve, people complaining about the first snow because it's Winnipeg. My pet peeve, people who complain about people complaining uh, particularly on social media. So what is your social media pet peeve? Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those bomber tickets. Jeff Braun, you're easily annoyed. Why don't we start with you? <laughs> yeah, uh, almost everything on social media is a pet peeve of mine in one form or another. But uh, I think uh, my biggest pet peeve, we'll stick to that, would be the people who post like 20 times a day. Uh, honestly, if you post more than twice a day, I've almost certainly have you muted in my feed because they're just no one has that much worth saying. I guarantee you of that. And uh, there's just nothing more frustrating than you're scrolling through and it's just like, oh, here's 30 posts from Dave, like uh, 30 pictures of his supper. He took a picture after each bite kind of thing or whatever. But it just drives me nuts. I can't stand it. It is, it, And it's a lot of work. Like it's tedious doing social media. I enjoy trying to create a little Instagram story every day. But uh, if I get to... That's my second pest peeve. The The stories. Some of them are really long. And some of them, it's it's like, so what's the point of this? It's something that the creator has thought to themselves, I don't care to keep this forever. This isn't worth more than a day, so I'll just put it up for one day and then it's gone. Like... Why would I look at that if you don't even if you yourself don't even want to cherish a memory for more than 24 hours? Why would anyone else want to look at it? I think it's probably just because so you don't bombard your feed. I don't know. It's like, well, I'll just give you a quick peek into what's going on and then you carry on. But some of the stories are really, really long. And that's how do you I don't just have the patience to even put the effort in for that. Cam, what about you? Well, the people on social media that lack any sort of nuance, they're they're activists and whatever uh, thing that they're that they're they're they've stood up on a soapbox and this is going to be the thing that they're going to talk about for ten days and they're going to move on to the next next thing because these people have minds of goldfish, but they um, they just live they live in a world that lacks any sort of nuance. All they do is they go and they comment sarcastically. They're always like doing those claps like this is the real world and it's like well yeah in your own opinion and the way that you look at things sure but there's a lot of gray area in the world some things are black and white but most things are gray and if you're just going on social media and you're just driving home one specific point without even looking at nuance or anything else that could you know as as, is in a broader picture you're part of the problem you're you're you you seriously are and if you're going to talk about the, the political discourse of 
of this day and age, I mean, a lot of it goes back to that sort of behavior on social media. Well said, Cam. Yep. Well said. That's one of the reasons why I just I don't get into anything anymore. Um, like anything serious, it's you all nonsense. All of my posts are nonsense. It's just I go to social media for fun. We have intelligent journalists here in the global news team. They can talk about the serious stuff, and I'm just going to talk about pizza. Greg, what about you? <laughs> Well, you know, yesterday is a fine example of this. I, I've posted a really cool video of how they load your luggage in the underbelly of the aircraft. They've got this sort of mobile conveyor belt I've never, ever seen. I've often wondered but never explored on the Internet. How do they get my luggage underneath? How do they manage to lose it? Well, that's not you know, really answered in this video, but it's an amazing video. The compartment is is less than six feet tall. There's a rather uh, short individual in the first place working underneath the stack this. Anyway, I shared this under the caption, I was today years old when I learned this. So cool. So this video plays and people are, oh yeah, that's really neat, blah, 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 blah. And so at one point the guy lies down, I guess either to stretch or to wait or whatever. And somebody hijacks the the thread with, wait, did he lie down for a little nap there? Uh, is it a lay down or a lie down? And then it becomes an argument over vocabulary and grammar. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know what? Just enjoy the video. You don't have to hijack the conversation Every single time with uh, these little idiosyncrasies and these little things that that jump up, and and that's my one of that's one of my pet peeves on social media. You know what? I, I remember uh, when we uh, I was working a Saturday night here when the news that Paul Walker had died, the actor from the Fast and the Furious movies, and he died in a car crash, in a flaming car crash. It was it was really tragic, and I. Posted on our Facebook page, uh, <clears throat> just the, the in a sadly ironic tragedy, Paul Walker, the Fast and Furious actor, has died in a car crash. And what ended up being the commentary? That's not irony. That that's you know. Oh, that's not irony. That's something else. And like, really, who? <laughs> a man has died, and you're you're focusing on whether or not it's irony. Oh, and and the worst in situations like that mm. that maybe you know people didn't know who Paul War the who cares posts. Oh. You know, shut it. You know, that's why those people are home by themselves on a Saturday night commenting on. <laughs> well said, <laughs> Jeff Braun. You see, I call those people womp womps. Womp womps. Bunch of womp womps. <laughs> that, that's my pet peeve. People being womp womps. <laughs> Is, yeah. that like, is that like womp, womp? I guess so. Just, you know, like like somebody will post on a neighborhood Facebook page like, hey, do you know if this business is open? And then somebody has to comment, well, why don't you Google it? Why don't you call the business? <laughs> why are you commenting? Just leave them be. Just scroll past if you don't have the answer. Why do you have to be such a womp, womp? You will, and you could, if you wanted to pick a fight and argue with that person, that person would never, ever admit that they're wrong, and they will argue and post in, for days. If you kept it going, it would go for days. Yeah, but then you're going to be a womp, womp if you're going to argue know, with exactly. them. Don't argue just, with people on social media. That's another pet peeve. Don't get suckered in, Forche. Do I not do, do get it. suckered in. Yeah, I'm not a womp womp. One of our uh, listeners, Mick, uh, says, uh, in conclusion, uh, Mr. Braun is a brilliant man. I'm not exactly sure when he came to that conclusion, but based on your commentary here, I think, Jeff, you have at least one fan backing you up on that. 
I will follow that guy on social media. <laughs> so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. Tell us a story about your social media pet peeves, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram. Here's another one I don't like. The staged laughter photo. The staged, spontaneous photo. And I hate this because I've seen it in action where the person will say, okay, now look at me. Don't look at the camera. Just look at me. Smile. Act like you're laughing or say something funny. Let's let's get a picture of us laughing. <laughs> I caught <laughs> you in a candid moment. <laughs> this is not fake at all. I can spot that picture a mile away. So any anytime you see somebody like where they, they lean back with laughter and they're they're They've got the big wide eyes. Oh, I'm having so much fun. I can't stand that. Just, I'd rather just you pose and smile for the camera. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. And we are in a moment going to talk about this poll that we learned about yesterday from Angus Reid. For those who are unvaccinated, the reasons why they are not vaccinated. But before that, what is the deal with the Northern Lights? What is the deal with that? Well, if you are outside the city, it may be worth your while to head outside and look north. Texts from our listeners, our friends in Radio Land, Sheila and Deborah, letting us know with pictures from both of them. Northern lights are visible. Uh, Deborah is out near Lorette. Sheila is north of the city near Highway 67. So if you're in a position to uh, take a peek outside, I suggest uh, you do so. And, and, and more likely to have some success, Brett, if you're outside the city and away from that, uh, that light the infiltration, that that uh, the street lights and all that stuff that might obscure your view of the northern lights. Yeah, we can't see it uh, from here at... Uh 201 portage. Light pollution, I think, is the phrasing I was looking for there, Brett. Sorry. I liked infiltration, though. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, pollution was the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> the cobwebs are slowly <laughs> dissipating from the frontal lobe of my brain this morning. <laughs> so, a new Angus Reid poll is shedding more light on why a small number of Canadians, Greg, are still not getting vaccinated against COVID-19. Yeah, the majority of respondents say they uh, base their decisions on personal freedoms and health concerns. And as Global's John Waugh reports, misinformation is still driving these people away from the vaccine. They are without a doubt passionate in their protests. Some even hostile against the public health guidance. Now, a new Angus Reid survey is providing some insight into the reasons why some are so resistant to getting the COVID-19 vaccine. What's going on with these folks? What's happening with them? Who are they? And what is it that they think? Across Canada, among those who remain unsure about getting vaccinated, 55% said it's about personal freedom. 49% had health concerns. And a third believe COVID-19 was not a serious health threat. One thing that really sticks out is a significant part of what we're seeing is around misinformation and absolute mistrust of authority. Focusing on the health arguments, 90% of unvaccinated Canadians thought the COVID risks are overstated. 84% think their immune system can handle it. And 75% believe vaccine side effects are more serious than the virus. That's why doctors on the ground are still working very hard to combat that misinformation. And we're trying to, we may have to do it one person at a time. So of British Columbians who refuse to get the shot, 
what will it take to move the needle amongst the unvaccinated? Requiring more and more proof of vaccination in their everyday lives with sinking with just 3% of those polled. Only 2% say they'd be convinced if they saw a friend or relative hospitalized with COVID-19. Compare that with a much larger percentage that continue to pull away. 47% say there is absolutely nothing that could convince them to ever get vaccinated. It saddens me and it, it's really quite shocking to me that we're at this stage and we, we have something, but we're still fighting the same fight. For many health professionals, knowing what makes this small but vocal minority tick might help with the conversations. We, the people, take back the power. They're bound to have with unvaccinated parents who will soon have to make that choice for their young children. John Hua, Global News. So I don't know about you, Brett, but it feels to me based on a lot of the findings in this survey and that report from John that we are essentially locked in here. Where we are is where we are. And those who are unvaccinated at the moment, it is very to extremely unlikely that they will ever move off of that position. Yeah, when you look at um, the number of people who say <clears throat> the health risks are overstated, uh, 57% said that they definitely agree with that. I don't need a vaccine because my immune system can handle the virus. Almost half, 46% say they definitely agree, and 38% say they mostly agree. So again, this is a survey of people who are unvaccinated, and we have seen, I mean, we have spoken to on this program healthy young men who were fit, Mm -hmm. who were hospitalized twice, because of COVID-19. They're okay, they've recovered, but still to suggest that your immune system is tough enough to deal with this, I think is absolute folly. And I know that not everybody who is unvaccinated has dug their heels in for uh, what some might consider to be nonsensical reasons. I have a friend who is not vaccinated. He's waiting for the Novavax. He's not cool with the technologies that have been employed with the other ones. And based on what he has read and, and researched, he would prefer the Novavax. And he, in the meantime, he's taken steps to keep himself and his family safe. And he is okay with not being able to do anything. So to me, that doesn't seem completely unreasonable. And, and the vaccine has been submitted to Health Canada uh, for approval. So it might not be long for him on that front. Well, for all the political leaders, the leaders in public health that have, you know, made this plea for those that are yet unvaccinated to do so, I think it's time for them to realize that the battle is sort of over. The number is the number, and I think that uh, politicians, uh, but more importantly, the health, public health officials really need to work a plan now that plans and, and works around the fact that the percentage of people vaccinated, that's where we're going to be, and how do we... How do we navigate the waters moving forward with that knowledge? I, I think this idea that we're going to convince people eventually to get the vaccine is, uh, is, is folly. Question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. If you or someone you know is unvaccinated, what is the top reason why? 47% say personal freedom. 30% say COVID-19 is not believed to be a serious threat. 19% say health concerns, and uh, just over 4% say religious reasons. Cast your vote, cjlb.com.
Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. We are asking you to tell us about social media pet peeves. What drives you bonkers on social media? Bomber tickets up for grabs. We'll give them away just after 9.15. What does Pam say, Greg? Well, Jeff Forche used the term uh, womp womp. I, I, I call uh, these people in the workplace crushers. People like to take everyone down. So uh, Pam says, I guess I'm a womp womp. It bugs me when people ask if a store is open Rather than Googling it or calling, it bothers me when people respond to a post without reading the 10 other posts that all gave the same answer. And I don't know if you're a womp-womp for that, Pam. I I think that's a reasonable, uh, actually, response. Yeah, this is an interesting one because there there are a lot of times where people will ask questions, and yes, we have Google at our fingertips – but sometimes you just want to ask your friends, right? Like I might just text a friend and say, hey, do you know, do you know the answer to this? And, uh, or I might ask you or Loren in the morning, hey, what's, uh, what's the deal with this? And uh, when, you, when yes, I could probably Google it or I could search my email and find it. And I think for some who access these community pages on Facebook or whatever, maybe that's uh, an important part of their day and they would just want to feel like they're a part of the community. Sometimes I think we ask these questions uh, just to try to feel some sort of a connection. Well, you know what? That's a really good point, Brett. I like that point. And yeah, this is why we have the conversation is to get to the bottom of this and to maybe see a different point of view. So that's a good point of view on it. But at the same time, I also understand why it's a pet peeve because yes, there are times where uh, like people, people ask me questions like, I don't know the answer, man, just Google it. Uh, like when someone is racking their brain trying to figure something out. And they can't figure it out. Like, just Google it. I don't know the answer. So I do understand the pet peeve there. And what do you think about, um, I know I'm guilty as charged on this. What's but that? The, the food posts, the restaurant posts. What do you think of the, the, the food? I plate? like your food posts. Uh, there are some people, though, that should give up the ghost on that one. When so- I do it, it's more for... A- because it's more it's like me saying, hey, this restaurant's great. Look at this. It's right. Not, it's not about, ooh, this, I'm eating melted cheese today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, just, uh, there are some people I know, it's just like, I don't need to know what you're eating every day. And actually, that doesn't look very good at all. <laughs> Small town salute. And this stems from a conversation with our new again colleague, worked with us a few years back. He's back with us in the building. He's the new program director at Power 97 at Peggy and 99.1. David Drake involved the revelation that he is from Sundown, Manitoba. Well, and that, of course, had lots of people, including you, I think, Brett. Where the heck is Sundown, Manitoba? So we took that as a sign that we should be heading to that part of Manitoba for our small town salute. And, Brett, they have, I think, a wonderful umbrella moniker for this area of Manitoba. We're heading to Sunrise Corner. Ah, so romantic. And we say good morning to Monique Chenier. Monique, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you very much for joining us this morning for the Small Town Salute. And I guess first off, can you help us understand what part of Manitoba makes up Sunrise Corner? Sure thing. Sunrise Corner is the far southeast corner of Manitoba. So we're right along the Minnesota border to the south and kind of have Lake of the Woods to the east. So we're a partnership of two municipalities, Piney and Stewartburn, and we have about 3,400 people in about 3,600 square kilometers. So uh, pretty rural out here. 
So I'm familiar with this area geographically. I've been there. It's absolutely like a world apart from other parts of Manitoba, in fact, in my mind. But for those who may have never been to this part of the province, Monique, help us understand what the geography is like. Open prairie, dense forest. Uh, paint us a picture, if you would. We've kind of got all of those things. We uh, have endangered tall grass prairie in the west. We have the huge Sandylands Provincial Forest in the north and the east. Um, we're kind of that four-season outdoor playground. What sort of things could we do on a, a day trip there? Like, for example, is there golf? Well, there isn't golf right in our region, but there certainly is close by at Buffalo Point First Nation, uh, the Lake of the Sand Hills golf course is out there. But, um, you know, for an outdoors person, there is no shortage of activities, even here in the fall. Um, a walk in the endangered tall grass prairie, it's... Uh, I don't think people realize how special and unique it is. I mean, there's 28 species at risk in that area of um, of Manitoba. Um, definitely bring your binoculars. Lots of bird watching and and wildlife viewing available there. Um, we have picturesque back roads. You can log in at one or two of our 17 geocaches we have located throughout the region. Um, we have tons of History and culture, like the oldest existing Ukrainian church in Canada, is in is in Gardenton, and of course uh, things like hiking, ATV riding. I mean, the Sandylands Provincial Forest goes for miles. So, uh, and then you know, after all that activity, grab lunch at a quaint small town restaurant, um, and uh, just spend a day. Monique, it sounds as though this uh, position that you hold with. Uh, with this group, with this, with these two municipalities in this Sunrise Corner, was ideally suited to you. Are you from this part of Manitoba, or are you a transplant? I am originally from this part of Manitoba, so I grew up in uh, South Junction, Manitoba, small town. Uh, I don't even think it's categorized as a town, hamlet maybe, um, but. Uh, you know, I grew up here, went to Winnipeg for university, went to Calgary for 25 years and, and decided it was time to come back home. And uh, this job opened up and um, things worked out. So it's exciting to be back helping to build the community that I grew up in. What about winter activities uh, with winter approaching? Uh, you know, as you pointed out, there's all kinds of uh, space there. So what kind of stuff can we get up to in the winter? Oh, winter is amazing around here. I mean, there's groomed snowmobile trails in Woodridge, maintained cross-country ski, ski trails in Sandylands. You can snowshoe in the tall grass prairie. There's even a toboggan hill in Gardenton Park. So pretty much anything you'd want to do out in the snow, uh, you can find it here. We also have two incredible winter events. One is the Vita and Area Winter Festival in January. That's Two days, family fun, dog sled races, horse-drawn wagon rides, all kinds of great activities. And then uh, later in like February, March, we have our vintage snowmobile show, shine and ride. So that's a bit of a blast to the past to see some of those old uh, sleds zooming around town. Yes, I think we've brought that event to the attention of our listeners in the past. So we're connected by email now, Monique. So yeah. please stay in touch with Brett and, and myself and, and, and Loren. And uh, we would love to bring to light again the incredible things going on in Sunrise Corner, sunrisecornermb.ca. And uh, what do people like about living in that part of the province before we, we let you go here, Monique? Um, I think 
rural quality of life is is what people really love, and we've found that real estate sales are really brisk lately. I think the pandemic has shown that people can work from home. They've figured out how to do that, and now they're realizing home doesn't have to be in the city. It can be um, in an area where they can have the lifestyle they want as well. So we have friendly local businesses that provide all the necessities you could need. Uh, Steinbeck is a short drive away if you have to, and um, we've just got such down-to-earth, great spirit of volunteerism here, unique events and festivals and social activities. And, and I guess the thing is, it's clean air, it's space to breathe, it's getting back to nature. A lot of those things that we realized during the pandemic were important. Um, I mean, the biggest traffic issue I've had uh, probably since I moved out here is a flock of wild turkeys last week that crossed the road. So, um, so it, it does make for, uh, for a nice, relaxed lifestyle. Monique Chenier joining us live on 680 CJOB from Sunrise Corner. Thank you so much for joining us for our small town salute. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. And she did mention the Lake of the Sandhills Golf Course in Buffalo mm-hmm. Point, not in the immediate, but uh, I've, I've played there. It is a nice golf course. I should also just quickly mention, uh, coming up a bit later at 9.05, we're going to speak to Shooters Golf on Main Street. They wanted to let us know they're staying open through the weekend. Come on. Southside Golf Course, just uh, south of Winnipeg off Highway 59. They're going to reopen today for a couple of days. How about that? So lots, uh, still some golf left to have, but uh, yeah, this sounds like a... This is one of the cool things about Manitoba. If you just get out and explore, I think there's this uh, notion that Manitoba is this flat, boring province. But you don't have to go very far to find some really gorgeous terrain in our great province. Yeah, if you live in Winnipeg, 90 minutes in either direction, pretty much, you can find something that you never imagined existed unless you knew it existed in the first place. Pembina Valley to the south and the west, to the south and the east. This part of the province is so rugged. It's so beautiful. Buffalo Point is amazing. And then, you know, you go due north and you're up in uh, Grand Beach, Victoria Beach area, northeast. Oh, <laughs> it's the white shell. It's incredible place that we live. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week. Coming up after Global News at 8.30, we're talking Diwali. That's right. Today is Diwali, the Festival of Lights. We'll learn a little bit more about the celebration, some of the tasty treats that may go along with this, what's the significance of this celebration, and what portion of our population is celebrating today. So if you are celebrating today, our best goes out to you. And and we're going to learn a little together in about a half an hour, Brett. Also on the biggest social media pet peeves, we're asking you to tell us about that. If you've got a story associated with that, that'd be great for a chance to win bomber tickets. We'll give those away at 9.15. Melissa, Melissa B says, my pet peeve on social media is people who post these chain letter type messages oh. where you have to copy it and then yeah. send it to 10 other people. Yeah. How did you meet me? Yeah, I check uh, Facebook when I have nothing better to do. Don't waste my time with that mm. trash. Mm-hmm. Well, let's a smash. Well, Mel says, I don't know if Mel is short for Melissa or Mel is a... Uh, is, is just a mail, but my pet peeve, how much the telecom providers are allowed to charge us for the privilege, quote-unquote, to engage in this social media garbage in the first place. Way to take it a different direction, Mel. That's the creativity we crave around here. 
Keep them coming for a chance to win, and we will give those away just after 9.15. But right now we have a really cool uh, that connects from Calgary to Winnipeg. And as this Remembrance Day approaches, it will have special significance, Greg, for a Winnipeg family, thanks to some diligent detective work in Calgary. Yeah, Global's Gil Tucker is going to share this story with us. He's going to tell us it all starts with a chance discovery in the back of a thrift store. They get all kinds of things coming into this Goodwill Donation Center in Calgary. Books, clothes, um, toys, electronics. And then one day this past summer, Jonah Henderson comes across something really special. I actually just found the medals, Canadian Forces on it. I'm huge into history, so I thought uh, this kind of stuff is pretty important. He turns it over to his managers and the detective work begins. We found the initials JT and last name Hearson with um, just four letters Sask. We found an obituary of a John Thomas Hearson that he was born in Nottingham, England and then had um, immigrated over to Canada and had settled in Weyburn, Saskatchewan. We tracked down other names from within that obituary. We came across a grandson. I didn't really know that he had the medals. So what a surprise for Kelly Hearson in Winnipeg. It's absolutely wonderful. It's just an absolute honor to have them and I am just so thankful to Alberta Goodwill for reaching out, for taking the time and making the effort to find me. It was just fantastic like to know we found a family member. It's a really heartwarming feeling. Medals J.T. Hearson won for his service in both world wars. We will look after them, uh, have them displayed prominently with the others that I have. I have medals from my father and also from three uncles. We are pretty blessed and it was their sacrifices which got us where we are. Jonah is also grateful for his family's service. My great-grandfather, uh, I actually, he fought in World War II and uh, I actually have all of his paperwork from World War II. And he's glad to have played a part in getting these medals back where they belong. Very, very uh, satisfying. It's a joyful thing. Gil Tucker, Global News. Big smile on my face right now after listening to that story, Greg. Oh, man. Uh, thank you to Gil Tucker for putting together this story. But the bigger thank you goes to those workers at that thrift shop in Alberta who went to the effort to find these individuals and to reunite these medals with the, with the rightful family. Oh, it's so heartwarming. You know, it would be really easy just to go, oh, hey, look at this. This is kind of cool. You put them on a shelf and, and uh, maybe never look at them again. But the dedication exhibited uh, is just uh, terrific. That's, that's a true Canadian story. And you got to wonder, too, just how much, how much treasure is buried within thrift shops across the land. Just for a simple example, I needed a pair of pants for golf. After okay. I lost, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I lost a bunch of weight and I was getting ready to go golfing, but I realized the pants that I would have worn now no longer fit. It's kind of a fun problem to have. So I ran down to like, but I, it was like the, based on the way the forecast was set up, I was probably only going to need pants for that first round of the year. And then it would be shorts the rest of the way. Okay. So I didn't want to go out and spend a hundred bucks on golf pants. I just went to Value Village to see what they had. And I found a pair of pants for like five bucks. And um, when I tried them on, I found 30 bucks in the pocket. What'd you do? I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but so that was just a simple thing of just, just cash. But 
to find to know that there is things like war medals that are clearly of value to, in a special way to some people. Yeah. It's the history, right? It's the story. It's the legacy. It's the connection to the greatest generation, uh, something that we are losing more and more every single day. Stan Butterworth, uh, one of the cherished people I've met along the way in this job who was involved in in uh, the war in Holland and liberating Holland, lost his brother there. His story will never, ever leave me. And, you know, just sometimes there's a physical piece of memorabilia that connects you to certain stories and certain things in the Fort Gary horse. Their official mascot is Winnie the Pooh, Winnie the Bear, the actual Winnie the Bear. And so when Stan uh, gifted me with my own Winnie the Bear with a Fort Gary horse uh, jacket on it, it became instantly one of my most treasured possessions, not because it's a beautiful bear, which it is, but it's the story connected with it. And so uh, I won't be with you. Uh, we, we won't be on the air, I don't think, on uh, Remembrance Day. Uh, but those are the sorts of the things that uh, I'll be remembering November 11th. Thanks to our good friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman and his Win Love Initiative, Celebrate Everything. We were alerted yesterday to the fact that today is a special day for many Manitobans. Yeah, today thousands of Manitobans and millions of people around the world are celebrating Diwali. It is our honor to introduce you to one of those celebrating today. Good morning, Raj Patel. How are you? Good morning. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Happy Diwali. Well, we really appreciate you uh, agreeing to come on the air with us and, and do a little bit of education with us. So what would be, uh, say, a traditional Diwali greeting or saying? I know you just wished us happy Diwali, but is, is, is there something uh, different that we might say, a little bit more traditional? Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, thanks for the opportunity. Again, you know, there's a couple of ways. The first one might be the words Sal Mubarak. And then my father would always start the morning off by saying, Nutan Varshan Abhinandan which basically translates to wishing you all the best for the coming year. I love that. That's, a, that's beautiful. So who, who's, who's celebrating today? Which, which groups of people? We're, we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, bring everyone together here, but there are distinct groups who are celebrating this today. Fair, Raj? Yeah, great question. Um, it's truly celebrated by the millions of Hindus and Sikhs and Jains around the world. So it's, it's truly a day to get to celebrate our South Asianness but also come together and look at the, the year that passed, but also look at the year forward through a lens of gratitude. So, What is the, the, then the, the significance of this holiday for those who celebrate? Yeah, well, for many, it coincides with the harvest and the celebrations of the new year. For many as well, it's a, it's a celebration of good over evil and light over darkness. Um, our Sikh community also celebrates it because it's actually the return of uh, Hargobind Singh um, in 1619. So again, it's just a great opportunity for everyone to come together, um, bind together, and you know, again, celebrate uh, the coming new year. So, how do you celebrate? Yeah, you know, uh, my family and I typically go to the Hindu temple. Um, we participate in something called the Lakshmi Puja. Um, as a young kid, we would we would decorate our homes with a lot of color. Um, when you walked into our home, my parents would decorate the entranceways. So again, multiple ways. But again, as many know, our South Asian community loves their food. So we celebrate through food. We exchange um, gifts in the form of sweets. We'll go to each other's houses with boxes of sweets and, and celebrate that way. 
So overall, this feels like a joyous, positive event. I've seen it referenced as the celebration of light. Is, is that accurate, Raj? That's, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, again, and you'll see many um, visual indications of lamps and vias with flowers. So again, you know, it's an opportunity for us to kind of light the path ahead. So, so uh, uh, Brett and I always admit to being hungry. Uh, at this time of the day. It's sort of lunchtime for us. Food and celebration go hand in hand. And you mentioned that's a big part of Diwali. Can you give us an idea of some of those traditional Diwali treats that that you might be looking forward to consuming tonight? Yeah, for any of your listeners, anyone that's ever walked into a South Asian grocery store or sweet shop, you'll see the variety of different sweets. So again, you'll get an eclectic box of all kinds of different sweets that are extremely colorful. So you know, the traditional ones, gulab jamun. I personally like something that's called jalebi. Uh, if my wife's listening, I'm not supposed to be eating that stuff. But, uh, but it is, it's, it's just a, a beautiful day just to sweeten each other's mouths, putting smile on each other's faces and enjoying the moment, especially when we look at the year that we've kind of navigated from. Um, again, right now, for everyone to get to come together and just celebrate what we've all been through is something that I'm personally really looking forward to. Can you give us an example of where one would find such a, a sweet shop in Winnipeg? Yeah, I live in the south of the city, so there's a multitude of Indian grocery stores. I'm a big fan of Clay Oven. For many of your listeners who probably know that particular place in particular. So, yeah, again, many of the traditional East Indian restaurants, um, this is a busy, busy time of year for them. Okay, so uh, forgive me, Raj. The last treat you mentioned, I was trying to to write it down, but then I got distracted. (laughs) So if you could say it for me slowly, and then maybe before we let you go, really tantalize our taste buds and get us thinking about this, because you you mentioned you're not supposed to be eating this one, uh, which means it's really good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my favorite is something called gulab jamun. So think of almost a Tim Hortons Timbit that's been drenched in sugar. Um, typically, it's served a little warm, um, beautiful, to rich texture. Um, it almost forces you to close your eyes while you're eating it just because, you know, the sweetness of it just hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, but again, there's all kinds of different varieties. But yeah, like it, that's probably the one that I love in particular. Galoob jamun? How close was yeah. I on that? Yeah, very close. Great job. Okay. And the other one was jalebi? Yeah, yeah. So that's another fried item. Um, it's, it's, it's a bright orange. It's got a really crispy texture. Again, it almost tastes like fried honey. That's the way some friends have described it. That's something I particularly love as well. You had me at fried. <laughs> I didn't say it was fried. Um, before also, we wanted to ask you this, uh, Raymond and his win love Winnipeg love initiative. Part of that is celebrate everything where they would yeah. like to see more, uh, holidays recognized perhaps as uh, civic holidays in Winnipeg. So for something like Diwali, is that something that you would like to see? Yeah, personally, as a young person, I grew up here in this community. It's one of those things where, I, you know, I, again, Dr. Rimman is, is a dear friend. I love, he's a champion, an advocate for inclusivity in our community. And again, the Celebrate Everything, is, I think, is really encapsulating what Canada is actively trying to do going forward. So again, celebrating each of our individuality, but allowing all of us to be our authentic selves. And what better way is to celebrate something like Diwali through a civic holiday where everyone can come together and celebrate. So whether that's South Asian holidays, Jewish holidays, I, I, I love the idea of us you know, being more as an inclusive society. Well, Raj, if we were better friends, and, and let's just pretend we're best friends uh, here, is this something that I would be welcome at, a celebration, uh, maybe a meal tonight? You, you might uh, include me regardless of, of what I traditionally celebrate? 
Oh, yeah, we'd love to have you. So tonight's a night where you'll typically go to all your friends' houses, you know, again, exchange gifts, exchange sweets, go to dinner. I'm going to – I the part of India I'm from is, is Gujarat, so I'll be going to the Gujarati event uh, that's coming up here on the uh, – actually on the 13th. Um, so, yeah, multitude of events throughout the city, people's homes. Um, you'll see for anyone that lives in neighborhoods where you'll have South Asian neighbors, they'll be probably putting off fireworks. It's a great time. Raj Patel joining us live on 680 CJOB to discuss Diwali, and we say happy Diwali to you, sir. Thank you so much, friends. Happy Diwali to everybody. You have my phone number, Raj. You can just text me the address. I'll be there around <laughs> 6 o'clock. Sounds good. Looking well, forward to seeing you. Well, and Raj, actually, before you go, are you, is it pronounced Diwali, or did, you, did I hear you say Diwali? Yeah, I typically say Diwali. You know, many will say Dipavali. That's a Sanskrit word. Um, but again, predominantly in North America, Diwali. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for that because uh, I, I recorded. Reason I asked is I recorded an ad or uh, like a little greeting for that today, and I think I need need to redo it so I get the pronunciation right. There you go. The W is actually <laughs> pronounced it like a V. If we're being yes. crystal clear about it, Raj. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, Raj Patel. Thank you very much, sir. Happy Diwali today on six eighty CJOB. Those treats do sound delicious, Greg. Like the first one, just picture it drenched in sugar. Like, okay, I'm sold. Second one, fried, kind of like fried honey, also sold. Uh, Raymond just texted me. He said, uh, you guys might want to play the song Jalibi Baby. I think that's tied to that uh, treat that you were uh, excited about. J-A-L-E-B-I, Jalibi Baby. Oh, okay. We'll have to look that up. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. Just heard in the forecast, 9 degrees today, 12 degrees tomorrow, 13 degrees on Saturday, 12 degrees on Sunday. The normal high for this time of year is 2. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. There are some diehards. As soon as they hear that forecast, they're thinking, golf, golf, golf. And it, as it turns out, you can get out and I, golf. I can't believe it, quite frankly. Shooter's Family Golf Center and Restaurant is staying open through the weekend, and we're joined by Club President Guido Cerzani. Good morning, Guido. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Well, we're doing great. You must have a great big giant smile on your face looking at this forecast. You betcha. I can only imagine, you know, I'm not asking you to open the books or anything, but the, this transa- translates in, into major revenue for you, right? Three or four days, it's a real bonus. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, 2021 has been probably the best year ever. We've been at this for 30 years. We had an early start. We were golfing on March 7th, and it looks like we'll be golfing on November 7th. So eight full months of golf in Manitoba is wonderful. So you, you, was it March 7th? Was that the driving range or was the actual course open? The course opened on March 7th. Wow. What time? When did you open the driving range? Uh, three days earlier. Oh my goodness. Is that the earliest you've ever opened? Uh, we for the golf course. Yeah. The driving range one year we opened March 3rd. So it's been an exceptional year. Plus we've had great summer weather too, right? There was very few rain days or no bugs. So it's just been a wonderful time. So, uh, I mean, is this the latest you've ever been open or, or, or have you beaten this? No, we've gone quite late into November a couple of times. Uh, I had easy measure because my birthday is November 9th, and every five years or so I get to golf on my birthday in Manitoba. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> That's outstanding. So, hey, tell us about, about the shape of the golf course. Brett was mentioning earlier that, you know, sometimes uh, at this point in the season, if you're lucky enough to, to be out on the course, you may be using uh, temporary greens or similar. Are you, uh, you fully open? We're fully open. The grass is beautifully green still. The frost uh, hasn't been significant, so the, the greens and the tee boxes, the whole golf course is exceptionally green. It's like summertime conditions. No, you mentioned frost, and I'm glad you mentioned that. So, because frost often creates delays on the golf course, right? Like I was at a golf course a few weeks ago, and I think we didn't. We were 45 minutes uh, behind because there was a frost delay. Uh, for anybody who asks, well, what's the big deal about frost? Why can't we just go play? What is the big deal as it pertains to frost and what it can do to the golf course? So, when you have frost, if you walk on the greens or any of the shortcut grass, the next day those areas will be brown because they've been burnt from the frost. So we make sure no one goes out. The thing I'm looking at Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the nighttime lows are in the plus. So that's a bonus. So we can get out nice and early and take full advantage of the uh, November golf. Um, so it's, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge plus, especially on Saturday when daylight savings times kicks in, uh, that cuts into the, you know, the end of day golf. So, we're looking for a very busy weekend. Guido Serzani is the uh, is the club president at Shooters Family Golf Center and Restaurant. And so, Guido, overall, you know, golf has taken a, a little bit of a beating over the last decade or so, and in, in terms of the amount of time, amount of leisure time people have. But through the pandemic, it feels as though, and and you can confirm this or not, it seems as though a, a lot of people are reconnecting with the sport. Absolutely. Like uh, COVID has been a blessing for golf in all of North America and probably across the planet. But, uh, you know, we see new people getting into the game, which is awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's been, I remember when I was younger, we'd have to try and book a tee time and you couldn't find a course. You'd have to go out of town and we're back to those kind of days again where it's hard to find a tee time. So that's all good. And before we let you go, Guido, what is the cutoff? Like, as in how cold does it have to be for you to say, that's it, we're done? Because we're privately owned, uh, we can make those decisions in a flash. So we normally say that when there's permanent snow on the ground, uh, that's when we finally shut her down. We've had, you know, some falls where it snowed and then it melted again and we reopened. So it's, we're, if it snowed and was nice in December, we'd open. What's the soup of the day today, Guido? Good food there, too. Uh, you know, some people know all about it. It's a little bit of a, a secret hideaway for some of us. Amy, what's the soup of the day? <laughs> Turkey vegetables. Oh, sounds great. Hold the vegetables. Yeah. Thanks, Guido. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Uh, have a great day. All right. Guido Sarasani is club president at Shooter's Family Golf Center and Restaurant. They are staying open through the weekend. Again, 9 today, 12 tomorrow, 13 Saturday, 12 on Sunday. And uh, look, I've, I've played golf in November before. I went out more as a, I'd already sort of, that, yeah, this, I can't remember what year this was. I think this was three years ago, four years ago, but my buddy's, uh, found a, a tea time and it was in November and I thought, well, I, I'd already decided I was done for the year, but let's, let's go. But it was like five degrees. It was cloudy. The ground was damp. So my feet were frozen and we mm. walked the course and my feet were cold. My hands were cold. One of the other guys was smart enough to bring mitts 
to to put on in between shots. I didn't do that. So it was kind of a miserable experience. So the fact that you're getting into the double digits with some sunshine, why not? Absolutely, why not? And uh, I know we're adjusting uh, the question of the day. Patios. Are we going to be able to find a patio? If you own a restaurant, bar, and your patio is going to be open over the weekend, we want to hear from you. 204-780-6868 or shoot me an email, gmac at cjob.com or brett, B-R-E-T-T at cjob.com. We'd love to hear from you. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. We're giving away bomber tickets for Saturday's game at IG Field versus Montreal. We're asking you today about your social media pet peeves. And Richard texted us, an example of illustration being better than explanation sometimes. And Richard says, what do I hate about social media? Peter Griffin sums it up perfectly. So this is, I'll just set the table. This is a chunk from Family Guy. The family's at some sort of a convention called Streaming Con. And there's a display that's set up. It's, it's a hospital bed display. I'll just hit the clip. Oh, awesome. Look over there. You can take a selfie in a hospital bed to get social media attention. Don't really want to get into it, but I'm fine. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this is the last thing I wanted. <laughs> oh, yes. That goes right to Michael's text. Yeah, the whole, the vague thing. I mean, this is a little more than vague, uh, but mm, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Here I am in a hospital bed. Good stuff. Yeah, like that's because when you see the picture, but they, there's no explanation, <laughs> then your natural inclination is, are you okay? What happened? What yeah. happened? Yeah, so yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Leo says, whatever happened to the phone call? Everyone's got a phone number or two. I confess, Leo on probably like 90% of the personal phone calls I've received in the last couple of years, I will, maybe not 90%, but I will often not answer it. And then I'll text 30 seconds later. Oh, sorry, I missed your call. What's up? <laughs> Instead of calling back, I will text back. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, which is sad because I, I actually get anxiety now and I have to make a phone call. Oh, that's that's not good. No. We need to explore that more, I think, because not because you're alone in that. I think there are lots of people who uh, don't do that. I think get younger people. Ah, never mind. We don't have time to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Sorry, Brett. Okay. Uh, Patty says those, let's get to know each other better by giving away personal information. Uh, yeah. Most people use in passwords. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go on your honeymoon? First pet's name. Then mm. copy and paste so I can answer it. Troll yeah. farms putting those out for sure. They're just trying to harvest information. Kristen on text uh, said this social media pet peeves when I know my friend has bought, brought home an absolutely adorable new puppy and they do not post any pictures of it. <laughs> what kind of monster does this? <laughs> uh, Darren says, uh, I got two social me- media issues. Okay, more, but the major two are one. If you are selling something, then answer your messages. <laughs> Nothing worse than sending a message about something and not getting a response. And Darren also says, I agree. If I have to ask, then why are you posting? So, yeah. Well, now on the flip side, if you're trying to buy something on the social media, whatever it might be, say that that Facebook uh, marketplace, yep. is this still available? Yeah, it's it's. It's still posted. Yeah. Well, it's, it's still, it's still sometimes available. not. 
Yeah. I've been burnt on that. Have you? Yeah, where All I right. where I inquired about something and then they'd respond a couple of days later saying, "Oh, sorry, it had already been sold. I just forgot to delete the ad." All right, fair enough. Some people are forgetful or lazy. Okay. Um, but uh, Christian is our winner today. Social media pet peeve is the simple fact that our quote unquote friends' sole means of communication with us is on social media, Messenger, Instagram, messages, etc. I was so infuriated with a lack of effort from our friends to communicate that I have done away with social media altogether and have encouraged people that wish to remain connected to call me, period. I've been off social media for a month now and I have never felt so good about the decision to remove this from my life. Christian, I salute you. Congratulations. You're our winner for the bomber tickets. A significant change in your life leading to, hopefully, a significantly fun time on Saturday night at IG Field. We've got one more pair of tickets to give away tomorrow morning on the start, but you can also win bomber tickets on the Jim Toth Show. And Christian O'Mell has tickets to give away today, this evening on the CJOB Sports Show. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb is back next week. The song is I Love Myself Today, and I suppose you'll be loving yourself this weekend if you're sitting on a patio. Greg, you put out the call. Are there any patios open this weekend? And we got the answer. Well, of course, we spoke with Jay Kilgore of Finn's Pubs, uh, Crossroads, and of course at Grant Park. And uh, Jay is not only a regular contributor on 680 CGOB and keeps us up to date on what's going on, we know he listens at the very least to the start because he emailed us right away and said, guys, both patios at Crossroads and at Grant Park open this weekend and you can make reservations. Wow. Look so at how that. about that? So if you know of any other patios that are open, feel free to shoot us a note. Text us at 204-780-6868 or email mackling at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. Right now, we want to celebrate a Winnipegger who's doing great things in the community. So great, in fact, that he was selected from finalists across Canada to win the Canadian Premier League Changemaker Award. How about that? The award is given to a single member in the Canadian soccer community who continues to drive soccer forward for the better. It could be a coach, an athlete, a referee, a club administrator, or even a parent. Our guest is described by a friend as, quote, a major force in the newcomer community, especially youth sport, and is committed to breaking down barriers that highlight the need for more welcoming and safe sport for all communities, not only newcomers, but for Indigenous communities as well. His name is Gololcha Boru, and he joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Hello there, sir. Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. Thank you very much for joining us, and congratulations, Gololcha. And we wanted to start by asking you, you know, you, you grew up here, but you're not originally from here. You arrived from Ethiopia as a political refugee when you were just one year old. You grew up playing soccer, but you dropped out of sports in your teens. Why was that? Um, it was just, I kind of fell out of, fell out of love with the sport, just all sports in general. There's a, you know, a lot of barriers that were put up in place, uh, for me growing up, uh, you know, parents were both working, transportation was an issue. Also, um, you know, the environment within the teams and the leagues weren't as welcoming. And I saw uh, sometimes 
players that weren't as good as me being picked for different uh, provincial teams, all-star teams, and I just was like, this is not for me. So I just kind of, you know, went another way instead. Well, it sounds like a tragedy in my mind, uh, Goalcha, because, listen, uh, it's it's difficult enough to get uh, teenagers in particular interested in sport. That's the time when they, they typically will make the decision to walk away from sports that they've played for a long time. So those barriers that, that you brought up, how are you working to break some of those down and to help uh, others uh, overcome them? Sure. So at uh, IRCOM, the Immigrants and Refugee Community Organization of Manitoba, uh, within their after-school program, we kind of launched uh, this a soccer program that's been well in, in place for over the last uh, seven to ten years. And we basically provide opportunities for all newcomer youth across Winnipeg to uh, learn the game, but also provide them the opportunity to play uh soccer in the Winnipeg Youth Soccer Association and we provide um, kits so their jerseys, uh, shorts, socks, shin pads. We buy them brand new shoes every year um, and we are also providing them rides to and from games, to and from practices um, and we really make a connection with the parents to make sure that they know that their kids are safe but also ensure that um, with coaches that are all volunteers that they're creating a really welcoming and safe community amongst the teams that they're playing. So uh, what we, what we, what has happened is now we have a lot of ex players who used to play three, four, five years in the teams now come and coach as well. Uh, other newcomer youth as well. So it's, it's, it's creating this big community that people feel safe and people want to play. So you played soccer when you were a kid, you walked away when you were a teenager, you're in your thirties now. What was it that got you back into the soccer community? It was really, um, I after university, I, I started working within IRCOM, the after-school program. And, um, you know, I still always love to play kick a ball here and there. And uh, it wasn't until I just was, uh, found myself around young people that were, again, falling in love with the sport and had that enthusiasm that made me, kind of rekindled my my old passion uh for the game and it's it's it uh it's kind of taken me by storm and i've been coaching for the last uh uh seven or seven or eight years now so it's just uh and i don't think i'll stop anytime soon so yeah i think it was just seeing the faces especially for so many uh newcomer youth uh when they come to canada come to winnipeg uh it's sport is one of the only things that they can really kind of feel like a youth again they're, they're at school they they they're learning a new language it's hard for them to communicate at home um roles are reversed uh, sometimes uh the the mom in the family is making the money and the dad is at home and, and that creates some conflict or the the youth has to go and you know translate uh, doctor appointments uh, due to the fact that no one else in the family is able to grasp the new language as quickly, so it's 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 during those moments of of playing at practice and games where the youth can actually just be a youth and enjoy time with their their friends and and uh, that's that's the, that's the greatest part of it, I think. Well, you paint a tremendous picture with regard to some of we were mentioning barriers and some of the things that keep young people out of sport. Uh, go all to do we consider? Um, Newcomers to Canada as as at risk youth for you know maybe going down a different path 
and you know, I know growing up where, where I did sport consumed our lives. But if we hadn't had sport to, to distract us and to engage us, we might have made some other decisions. I, I totally agree. I think, uh, and that's why I feel when it comes to the conversation of access to sport, uh, not only soccer, but all sport, um, for a lot of people from marginalized communities in Winnipeg, especially where we're working at at IRCOM, uh, the North End, Centennial areas, uh, West End, for a lot of young people, uh, their lack of inclusion into sport can mean that, you know, that we might not see them tomorrow or the day after. They might make choices that will affect them. Uh, or they might, uh, you know, we've, we've lost some youth uh, uh, at IRCOM because of the opportunities have been denied. And it's, it's something that it's really critical. It's a conversation that sport leaders, um, the provincial sport organizations, Sport Manitoba, uh, the province really, really have to take a look at and really make sure that they're doing everything they can to make all sport accessible and, and quality sport, I should say accessible to all young people in this city and this province. Well, and let's face it, that really kids, youth, they just want a place where they're accepted. They want a place where they belong. And, and sometimes that, that ends up in a place where we would prefer them not be, uh, whether it's gang membership or, or other things that, that lead them down a poor path. Exactly. And I think the power of uh, sport is it, it's more than just learning like the, the, the critical life skills of, of leadership, teamwork, trusting people, respecting structure, time management, but the, 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 the hidden benefits of sport as well. You know, it provides a lot of young people who come from these marginalized communities, the social capital that they, that they would have not had, uh, you know, the connections that they make with the coaches, with the other parents, um, with the league administrators, match officials. It's there that they can, you know, get their first reference for a job. They can make a connection later in life um, to grow, to gain opportunities, to network themselves later as they, they go down education. So I think these things are really missed uh, when, when, when sport leaders are, are at the table and they're designing these sports uh, systems where youth are coming in, that they really don't take into consideration that these are the things that are, can really push someone um, to have you know, that, that social mobility in their life so they can have a better life than their parents have. Galolcha, before we let you go, if somebody listening right now wants to help out with your organization in any way, whether it's make some sort of a contribution or perhaps contribute some time, uh, how do they do that? For sure, you can uh, you can go to the, the IRCOM uh, website, so ircom.ca, um, and uh, contribute there. We're always looking for coaches, uh, volunteers for the program, um, and uh the better, the better you can do, like uh, donate your time to make a connection with a youth or a youth team uh, would be great for them because uh, we're always searching for people to help out and get some good people to come in, into, the game, into the game. Excuse me. Galol Chaboru, he is the winner of the Canadian Premier League Changemaker Award, selected from finalists across the Canada for all the great work he does with youth in Winnipeg's soccer community. Galolcha, congratulations, and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. It is 9.46 on 680 CJOB with Mackling and McGarry. McNabb back week. next week. Wow.
blown away, Brett. Like talk stuff. about yeah, no, like this is a leader in our community, a, a long time leader, and uh, what what a great opportunity to connect with with him. Well, especially to come back to it right after sure. walking away from it as a teenager, probably felt alienated. Life could have gone in a completely different direction, but comes back to help kids like him so that they don't have to do this experience the same thing that he did when he was a young person. So that's wonderful stuff. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.